Welcome to another episode of Expanding Circles, the podcast about origin stories of the non-super variety. My guest today got to pass the salt to Charles Barkley and hear dirty jokes from Hillary Clinton. Please welcome the fabulous Tracy Weedman. All right, so everyone, welcome to another episode of Expanding Circles. Today, my guest is Tracy. Say hello to the people. Hi, people. So how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. All right. So uh, let's start off. Now, you're from California, right? Right, Sacramento. Uh, More specifically, Fair Oaks, a little suburb of Sacramento. Okay, so how was that? Is it a nice place? It's okay. It's a small town, and it was fun growing up there, actually. It's right next to the American River. So we had rafting in the summer and playing in the parks down near the river, riding our horses, playing with the dogs. It was good. Riding your horses. (laughs) Yeah, riding the horses. Um, We had an Arabian horse business when I was growing up, and we just took the horses down and rode along the river, and that was just part of my life. So you grew up with horses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's one thing. I've known you and you like horses. You're a, definitely a fan of horses and all. I didn't know that you grew up with them. I did, yeah. I used to ride competitively. And then in high school, I was just kind of over it. So ride competitively in what sort of competition? Well, mostly pleasure shows. Um, the horse world is weird and varied. And... What I did or the basic equestrian events like um, Western Pleasure or English or Hunter Pleasure, I didn't really do the jumping a lot and I didn't do dressage or anything like that. It was just, um, it's basically dog shows for horses with people on them. Okay, so you basically ride the horses in front of judges. And, exactly, yeah. And the judges them. look and see, oh, this, this is a pretty horse. And... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The horse isn't kicking anybody or doing anything bad, and, so and the horse is going around the ring nicely. So it's a pretty well-behaved horse, and that's kind of what they're looking for? That's what they're looking for. Okay. Yep. Not, I, I, I'll be honest, I've been on a horse maybe once in my life. Oh, yeah? Not a real knowledgeable about horses, so... Well, there are a lot of work. (laughs) There are a lot of work. There's a lot to know. Um, It just got overwhelming for me, and so I bailed. Yeah. Do you ever ride horses anymore? I do for fun. I think it's great. And when I go on vacation, I like to go rent a horse and go riding or just go on a trail ride. And up until just a couple of years ago, my parents still had horses at their place. So I would get on one every once in a while and just, you know, cruise around. But no, not anymore. (laughs) Definitely. So you're not going to follow in the the footsteps of keeping the uh, horse business going? No, definitely not. Definitely not. It's it's a pain in the butt. You have to be there all the time or have somebody take care of them. And it's just too much work. Mm-mm. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, even just having two cats is a lot of work. <laughs> exactly. So. You have to get somebody to watch them when you're gone. You always have to remember to feed them. <laughs> and I imagine no, I'm horses kidding. need a lot I, of food. I used to have nightmares. I'm not kidding you. I used to have nightmares about being left at the house and being responsible for all the animals and forgetting to feed them. 
that was a recurring nightmare. I'm not kidding. It was horrible. And I had one actually last year where I was staying at my parents' old house in Fair Oaks, and I had forgotten that we had horses, and it was like four or five days later. Oh, my God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, if, if that's what you grew up with, I mean, it makes sense, I guess, that that would be ingrained in your memory. Yep. Oh, that was awful. And I imagine horses need a lot of food. Yep. <laughs> that I forgot to give them. All right, so you grew up with horses. Yeah. And so, um, where did you go to? Where did you go to school? Undergrad. Yeah, undergrad. University of Oregon. Okay, U of O. Uh mm-hmm. What did you study as an undergrad? <laughs> Journalism and English Lit. Any particular reason? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in high school, um, this is a shout out to my favorite teacher of all time. In high school, I was on the yearbook staff my junior and senior year, and my senior year, I was the editor of the book, and that just really gave me, I don't know, that gave me motivation to do something with publishing or writing, Um, and I went to U of O because the journalism school had such an outstanding reputation. And also, that's uh, where um, my mom had gone to school. And I'd always, uh, well, on vacations, we used to go up to Oregon and Washington, and we used to go to the U of O and rent a canoe and go down the mill race and go shop at the bookstore. And my mom showed me her old sorority house. And I just loved the campus. I thought it was beautiful. So it was, it was kind of a no-brainer. So U of O was a good fit for you? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, I love the School of Journalism. I made some of my best friends in the world there, and I played soccer. So it was was great. Okay, so you you played soccer at U of O? I did. Okay. I've I've known you've been a soccer fan, because you're a big fan of the the Timbers, is that it? Yeah, up in Portland. Uh Okay, so you actually played? I did. I was a goalkeeper. I played for many, many years, and then I had to retire because I had too many concussions. As a goalkeeper? Oh, yeah. I've been kicked in the head. I've been, I've been thrown into the goalposts. I've uh, hit concrete walls when I've slid into them uh, headfirst. And um, yeah, it's brutal. What, what was a concrete wall doing that close to the field? Oh, it was at Oregon State. Their soccer field was actually on their track. And that's what separated the actual track from the field was a little, probably, I don't know, six inch concrete barrier. And in the rain, that's, that field was really slippery, and I just slid right into the wall. That doesn't seem like a good idea. That was horrible. That was OSU. <laughs> Throw a little shade there. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Those damn beavers. Exactly. <laughs> so that few too many concussions ended your career as a soccer player. It did. Yep. But still a fan. Always. Um, so did you, after undergrad, did you go into grad school straight away or did you go out (laughs) into the world and work or? I was supposed to go to grad school. I was actually going to the University of Oregon School of Education because I thought I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. But the state of Oregon voters passed a property tax measure 
that actually cut funding to a bunch of programs in the public schools in Oregon. So a bunch of the universities, including the U of O, lost their schools of education. We were all funneled over to Western Oregon, but it was going to take years to complete their program because it was going to be so compacted with all the students coming from the other universities. So at that point, I decided I would move to California, do something else, and maybe go to school, get my license, get my master's at San Jose State, and that never happened. <laughs> so but did you, you did move to California, though? I did, and I worked for the city of Palo Alto in their sports program, and I um, actually, the first summer that I got down there, I was working for a World Cup. We had the San Francisco facility, and okay. I was, yeah, at Stanford Stadium, so I was working for them. Okay, yeah, I, I remember that. That was Chicago was also a site. Yep. And I was in Chicago at that time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so you worked on the world. What were you doing for that? <laughs> Security. Actually, we were running all the background checks and giving all of the, um, the IDs to the athletes and the teams and uh, media. Okay. Yeah. So I met Pele. Very cool. I went to lunch and I came back and there was this man sitting with his back to me in my chair talking to my boss and um, he spun around and my boss said, oh, I'd like you to meet someone and I just about died. <laughs> someone. Just, I, just I some guy. <laughs> I presume he needed no introduction. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty great. <laughs> Is he a nice guy? Yeah, very. He was lovely. Oh, he was so nice. That was, I'm getting all, <laughs> I'm waving at my face. You can't see me do it, but. Getting a little verklempt. I am getting verklempt. <laughs> yeah, he was really nice. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Okay. So how long did you do that job? Oh, that was just for six months. So that was a little bit pre-event and then some wrap-up afterwards. Okay. Yeah. But I was also working full-time in the city of Palo Alto, so. I was busy. Okay. What were you doing at Palo Alto exactly? So I was working with the sports program. So we were um, hiring and working with the facilities for all the camps, like soccer camps and tennis camps and um, adult aerobics and things like that. So I was, um, I was one of the facilities managers. How long did you work in, at, for the city? God, for the city of Palo Alto, two and a half years. And so what did you do after, after those two and a half years were up? Rachel's going to like this. Rachel always says that she's going to write a book, the, what is it, The Lives of Tracy? The Many Lives of Tracy. Uh, then I worked for Kepler's Books and Magazines, and it's an independent bookstore, and that's um, right next door to Palo Alto in Menlo Park. And it's one of the biggest independent bookstores in the country, and I was one of the events managers there. So events manager doing kind of like, like authors and things coming in and right author signings, book um, book openings, um, celebrity talks and signings, that sort of thing. Yeah, it was really fun. So did you get to meet any uh, celebrity authors? Oh yeah, a lot. So that was an amazing job and a great opportunity because I got to meet so many of my idols. For example. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I, ben Bradley. Ben Bradley. The familiar. editor of the Washington Post. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Deep Throat Ben Bradley. Okay. Yeah, the whole, yeah. He, he, he actually knew who that was and wouldn't tell us. 
Um, he was amazing. He was, uh, he was great. Um, but I met President Jimmy Carter. That was a lovely day. Um, I could imagine. He seems like an absolutely lovely person. Oh, he was beautiful. He was absolutely beautiful. And I know some people have heard me talk about him before, but he had this aura. <laughs> he was just so sweet and so kind to everybody. And the man is a machine. He stayed and autographed every single book for everybody who came to visit that day. And that took hours and hours. And Secret Service was like, uh, sir, we have to leave. Sir, we have to catch that flight. Sir, let's go. And he said, no, 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 we have time. And just waited until everybody had left. And then he was good to go. He was beautiful. I mean, that doesn't surprise me from like the press like uh, events I've seen him in and like interviews on TV. It just seems like an absolutely just one of the nicest people you will ever meet. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. make time for everyone. Again, I'm getting clumped. I've got a big <laughs> silly smile on my face. <laughs> yeah, he was lovely. Um, spent a day with uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, she was on tour for her It Takes a Village book. Okay. Um, Colin Powell. He was, uh, he was on tour for his book at the time. Mm, he wasn't so fun. <laughs> she was lovely, though. She was fun. She was funny and cool and she told dirty jokes and she was just she was a blast to be around she was great I, I loved her event that was really fun uh, but I met lots of smaller authors too John Barrent was lovely uh, he wrote Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil okay yeah yeah he's um, he was neat all sorts of fun people it was great it was a major stop on the tour circuit. So they go to Powell's in Portland, Elliott Bay in Seattle, um, Our Place um, or City Lights in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was fun. That was great. I love that job. Well, that sounds like that would have been an absolute pleasure. How long were you there? Two years. So another two years? No, now? two and a half, almost three years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And why'd you quit? <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> However much time you need. <laughs> uh, I got a great opportunity. I've always, um, I've always loved sports, and I had the opportunity to go work up in Sacramento at Arco Arena, as it was back then, um, for the Sacramento Kings and Knights um, the soccer team. Really? Yep. Is indoor? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. the National Indoor Soccer League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then it was the WISL. Okay. Yep. So I went to work for them, and it was kind of cool because the year after I got there, we actually got a WNBA team as well. So we worked all three teams, and I was in the um, ticketing department. So we sold season tickets and um, you know the suites and the luxury boxes, those sort of things. Yeah. So I was in the sales department um, for a few years with them, and that was again an incredible experience. Did you get to meet some, some sports celebrities in this case? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and back then, it was really cool because a lot of coaches had open shoot-arounds and open practices. So we could just go down into the bowl and just sit and watch Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, those guys just warm up, have a practice. We could go into the bowl while um, Garth Brooks was setting up for his concert and doing a rehearsal. We could um, just 
I had dinner in the press room one night and Charles Barkley was sitting next to me. He wasn't playing that night. He was injured. So he was just hanging out in the press room eating dinner with us plebes. I mean, he was, but he was great. He was fun. I passed him salt. <laughs> passed salt to Charles Barkley. I did. He Another was, chapter in Rachel's book. Yeah, exactly. He was funny. I liked him. So yeah. that was, an, how long was that one? Um, then, well, when I moved um, out of the ticketing office, I went into the head office of the soccer team. Okay. So I was the assistant GM slash manager of operations for the Knights. So in total, I was with um, the organization for 10 years. 10 years? Okay, so mm-hmm. quite a while that, mm-hmm. that, that was job. Okay. Yeah. And any reason you left it or just... Was it time to go? or <laughs> They sold the soccer team. The Maloofs got a directive from the WNBA that said, if you don't focus all your time, money, and facilities into your women's basketball team, we're going to pull them, give them to Golden State. So even though the WNBA hemorrhages money and um, <laughs> is just a losing proposition all the way around, and we'd won a championship with the Knights, um, they decided to sell the soccer team and focus all their energies on the Monarchs. So I was brokenhearted, didn't want to do anything with sports. So I had to go. <laughs> Just out, of, out of curiosity, did you ever meet either of the Maloofs? Oh, yeah. Their um, offices were on either side of mine. Okay. Yeah, I had Joe on one side and Gavin on the other, and um, they were great. They were absolutely great. They were so fun to work for. They were amazing. Probably one of the first things that, um, that they did was when they bought the team, they came in and compensated all of us who were on salary for all the overtime we had done in the last year. And that was a really big check. <laughs> for a lot of us. So I think that they made friends really quickly when they came in. Um, but they're great guys. I have nothing but good things to say about them. They were um, they were fun. They were cool. They did great things for us. They were easy to get along with. They listened. Um, they were they were great bosses. Okay. Yeah. Because that's certainly different than the image that they have in the public media. Yeah. And a lot changed after I left. Really, um, things really changed with the whole city of Sacramento and trying to get a new stadium built and, you know, or excuse me, arena. Um, it was just, it was messy. I'm really glad I left when I did and I didn't have to be around for all of that. Yeah, because certainly I think that probably is what colors their reputation nationally is the, the whole arena issue with the NBA. Mm-hmm, and... mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, no, I only had the good stuff. Well, that's good. Yeah. So... You lose your job because the, the soccer team's <laughs> gone. What's next? I moved back to Oregon, and I went to work for Ticketmaster. And that was, that was wonderful. That was a really great opportunity. Um, I could still be around sports, but um, I, I, learned some, I learned some new things about Oregon because I had to travel a lot. I had to visit all of the ticket centers all over Oregon and Southern Washington. So I, um, I spent a lot of time on the road and I kind of met some great people. Um, some of my other best friends came from Ticketmaster. And um, yeah, I had a great time. Got to see a lot of shows and go to events. And um, 
it was a nice transition from the fun and excitement of working for Maloof Sports and Entertainment. What, what were you doing I, yeah. at Ticketmaster? Oh, I was a ticket center manager, so I, I was kind of in charge of all the training and supplies for all of those ticket centers all over Oregon and Southern Washington. And uh, that started getting overwhelming as I said it because there were so many. So, yeah, it was busy. But it was great. Okay. I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. How long were you in that job? Uh, years. Years and years. Um, it was finally um, when they decided that one person in Washington could do the job of all six states' managers that they cut my job as well as Colorado, Washington, Arizona, a couple others. And um, yeah, there were six of us total, cut our jobs completely out, gave it to one person, which I thought was weird, um, considering how busy we all were, uh, that I had to do something, something new, something new. So yeah, I worked for a company that um, manufactured DNA. (laughs) It was my best friend's company. (laughs) So I went to work for her. Manufacturing DNA. Yes, yeah, synthetic DNA for pharmaceutical and research purposes. Yeah, so I was the sales director there. Okay, sales director yeah. for DNA uh-huh. for a DNA company. Yeah, I knew nothing about it. Other than that, Nancy, my, my bestie, um, had also been my roommate in college, and she was, um, what are we, general, general sciences? I can't remember what it's called. Sorry, Nan. Um, and I used to help her fill out her Grey's Anatomy coloring books at dinner. We'd sit at the table and I'd help her do her coloring homework in her anatomy books. And um, we used to make DNA chains for Christmas ornaments for our Christmas tree. Yeah, that's all I knew <laughs> before I went to work there. That was a steep learning curve. <laughs> Trying to sell things you don't know much about? Yep, yep. That was that was fun, but that was that was really good. Um, and that lasted for a little while, until um, again middle management was completely eliminated, and then that's when I went back to teaching. <laughs> Finally, back to teaching. The long way around. <laughs> All right. So, teaching. Did you go? Was this into into a master's degree or is this? No, I went to, to Korea. This Korea, is where okay. I just needed a change. Okay. I just needed. A, I just needed to get away from Oregon and just start over and figure out what I really wanted to do because I'd been going from job to job, not career to career, mm. you know what I mean? So I'd, I'd always wanted to teach. I always thought that I would go back to teaching at some point. And I had done some student teaching in Eugene, and I, I loved it. And I really wanted to work with elementary school kids, which sounds absolutely insane now. Can't even believe I was considering that. That's just absolutely nuts. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I talked to some folks who were um, teaching overseas uh, when my sister and her family were in India. And I'd met a lot of my niece's teachers, and I was thinking, God, you know, I'd love to live overseas and teach. So I went to Korea just to kind of test it out because it was kind of an easy job to get. And I took it seriously um, because I really wanted to explore it and figure out if this is something I wanted to stick with. So that's when I decided that 
I didn't just want to teach. I wanted to teach ESL or TESOL or whatever we call it, EFL. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I, I had a great time there. I, I loved it. I was in Korea for two years. And I was teaching at an elementary school. And I loved the kids. They were, they were so fun. And it was such a great experience. But um, it, was, it wasn't enough. I knew that I wanted a master's. So after my contract was up, after two years, I went back to Oregon and went to Willamette to do the, um, the master's program there so that I could have a state license and have a master's. I thought it would be useful. So you said elementary school in Korea? Mm-hmm. Was it kind of the similar to the, was it similar to the JET in J- program in Japan? Um, it is, except that in my school, yeah, I was working for Gyeonggi Province, which is Seoul and surroundings, and the GEPIC program was pretty cool because they they let a lot of teachers loose on our own, <laughs> which I think was great because I was like thrown right into the fire. I had. A support teacher um, who was the first year I was there she was the second grade teacher she was my support not the other way around so I was teaching the classes and she would help me out once in a while um, so I was by myself teaching kids who spoke another language for the most part and um, it was perfect I needed that I needed that trial by fire so it was, it was really cool. And then the second year, I had a great co-teacher who was the sixth grade teacher, and she worked right down the hall from me. So she was in and out of my classroom all the time, and she and I were a great team. So we, um, we had a really good time, and I made a really good friend out of her. Yeah. Um, but... At that point, I realized I didn't want to teach elementary school if I went back to Oregon. <laughs> so I, I set my sights on uh, teaching in a high school, but teaching um, the kids in an EFL class. So, back to Willamette? Yep. Did your master's there? Yep. Well, as quite a few of our early yes. folks here yep. at TIU did. Carissa was in my cohort, um, as was uh, Shoki, who was here a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was great. That's where I also met, uh, Rachel. She was in a different cohort, different part of the program, but we had classes together. And so, so you finished up your master's. Mm-hmm. Did you come to TIU or TIUA right after that or? Yeah, we, um, <clears throat> our program at Willamette had a special relationship with the, um, with the university here. And when we were just about to graduate, team one, Lily, Jessica, all those guys, they were just on their way over to TIAU for their first year. And they'd already been over to Japan to visit. And I had met Lily and Eva at kind of an information session, I guess that's what it was, recruiting us. So any of you guys um, who are in cohort A or B, elementary or junior high, high school, um, want to come to Japan and be in the second team that will teach at TIU, um, apply. And so I thought, ooh, I don't know if I want to stay in Oregon. 
and work at a high school. I still want to teach overseas. So I went to this information session. I met Lily. I met Eva. And they had a lot of good information. And I just thought this was a great opportunity to come here and teach abroad again and do what I really wanted to do. And I wanted to teach the kids in EFL classes in a high school. And that was great. I'd done that in my student teaching. But I just thought this would be a much richer experience. So I decided to leave Oregon and come here. And was it a good decision? Best decision ever. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it here. Because you've been here how many years now? Um, God, in April, this it would be the beginning of my fifth year. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, four years here already. And it's been good. It's been great. What would, what would you say is your best experience so far? Oh, boy. Um, maybe because it's so immediate and because I've been seeing the messages roll in all day. But our first year here, Carissa and I had a section that really, I don't know, maybe formed the way I think about our students. And I think they either do or they don't measure up to these Section 10 students. There are magical 10s. That's what we call them. And they were such a good group, and they still are. And they, they cared about each other. They cared about Carissa and me. We were, we were tight. We were close. And I don't know. I, I think everybody here has had that section. And right now, we're trying to organize a dinner before they graduate on Saturday, March 17th. Ugh. So I can't believe it. They're, they're going away. And, and I've, I've been close to other students who've graduated, but it's nothing like this. So one of my best experiences was meeting this group of students um, and becoming friends with them, not just their teacher, but really kind of growing with them the last four years. And um, yeah, seeing them graduate is going to be crazy. I mean, that's I'm so proud of them because they're all really, really wonderful people. No matter what they do, um, they're just they're going to bring joy to whoever they work with or whoever they, um, you know, meet <laughs> in their lives. I just uh, I adore them. So yeah, it's always good to have those students. Mm -hmm. Those students that they, they make you feel like I'm actually doing something good. Yeah, yeah, I I feel good about it. I think I did okay by them. That's good. I hope so. <laughs> You'll have to ask them, but I think I did. Well, I imagine they probably would say similar. I hope. Well, I've, I've seen how you interact with students, so I, I imagine they probably, Aww, probably <laughs> would have similar things to say about you. Thank you. At least most of them. There may be one or two who may not. but uh, Sure, absolutely. <laughs> with any big group, that's the way it goes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So... Looking ahead, what do you see for yourself? Gosh, I don't know. I, um, my contract is up in August, and I'll have the uh, chance to renew for one and a half or two years. So, you know, if I, if I extended um, to the maximum time allowed, that would take me to summer of 2020. 
which is the Olympics here, mm-hmm. and you know I like the Olympics, so I don't know if I could pass that up. <laughs> so I might have to stay just just to get through, just to get through the Olympics. But you know, we were talking earlier about wow, wouldn't it be great if you could just pick up this place and move it anywhere? The students, the situation, the the whole deal. I wish I could do that because there are so many other places where I'd love to live. But oh, I would miss this place way too much. So I, I think I might have to extend, stay as long as they'll let me. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I don't know. I'd love to go back to Korea. Hopefully in a similar sort of situation, like university type setting? Or? God, if I could find one. Yeah, that would be... I think it would be hard to find something like this, but something similar, or maybe even um, with a company. Yeah, Korean Airlines. They actually have English teachers. <laughs> I would imagine, because I mean, they have international flights. So you, yeah. need, you need yeah. flight attendants who can speak English. So. Mm-hmm. My U of O Alumni Association group over there, fantastic. They're, um, they're great about networking. So I think at some point, maybe I would start talking to some of the people I know there and seeing what they might know about, what's available. But I'd, I'd check that out. Or I'd win the lottery and move to Spain. Spain? <laughs> yeah. Any reason for Spain? or? Oh, it's just wonderful. <laughs> the food, the language, the music, everything. The weather, it's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that would be my, uh, my, my lottery win move. Okay, I can see it. I can see it. Wouldn't be my first choice, but... Where would you go? Sweden? Probably. Yeah. Probably. The whole family connection. Well, um, I think that's what I've got. Okay. This has been a lot of fun. It has. Thank you. So thank you for joining me. Of course. And that's all for us for today. And that's all for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions for myself or any of my guests, we now have an email account. You can send questions and comments to expandingcirclespodcast at gmail.com. All one word. One more time, that's expandingcirclespodcast at gmail.com. It's spring break here. But I've still got a few more episodes coming up, so keep refreshing your podcast feed and keep listening.